the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. With me today, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, how are you doing? We're back from E3. We are rested, we are refreshed, we have lots to discuss, lots of RPG news, and oh my gosh, a new RPG even came out this week. It's called Ever Oasis, and I played it, I reviewed it, I'm going to be talking about it uh, on the podcast uh a couple rpgs from old hands uh the director of secret of mana of course worked on ever oasis but also we're gonna have some news from the hironobu sakaguchi front and as always we will have our comments from the readers so uh, i suppose like we we should probably just jump right in um because uh, I don't know, we don't have any like cute small talk to be making or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it probably got all sucked out of you after uh, E3. All the small talk. Yeah, tell you the, the truth, I'm still a little. I'm feeling a little you know, frazzled after E3. Mm, uh, like I'm just kind of getting back into the swing of things. Like the the week after E3 is always a little kind of slow, I suppose. Yeah, it always feels a little bit unreal. Yeah. And also, right after E3, I went to the Burning Desert in Las Vegas for three days and jumped around a oh, whole that's bunch. Right. Yes, um, and from like 11 p.m. until six in the morning, like three days in a row. So, how in God's name did you get energy to do that? Well, it's there's a secret recipe. It's called sleeping Drops. beforehand um, and lots of caffeine. <laughs> okay, that's passable. Also, ibuprofen for my feet, but. It- yeah, yeah, you need the ibuprofen. But it was a good time. I had, I had a good time. The only thing that is a super drag about EDC, which is what I went to, is the traffic. The traffic is the worst. Mm. Because you're literally, like, sitting in traffic for, like, two hours to get to the Las Vegas Speedway. And oh I only got to the strip, like, twice. But I digress. We are looking ahead to a long summer, but we have some RPGs. But we're going to start with RPG news. And the first bit of news is that Hironobu Sakaguchi, creator of Final Fantasy, has announced not one but two new games, both Mm -hmm. in his Terra universe, a universe that he is trying to kind of turn into a new Final Fantasy. He has said that, I believe he said that he wants to make nine games. Coincidentally, he was around, like... As far as Sakaguchi is concerned, there were nine Final Fantasies, one through mm. nine. And he, as far as he's concerned, Final Fantasy IX was it. Like, yeah, that was his swan kind of... song with the series. And after that, nothing else happened, you know. <laughs> it all just kind of, like, went into a big hole and died. He's like a lot of fans in that regard, actually. The ones who yeah. seem to refuse to acknowledge anything that happened after Final Fantasy IX. But, all right. Uh, Nadia, weirdly enough, you played the original Terra Battle. So, uh, share your thoughts, please. Well, uh, I played Terra Battle back when I was doing a lot of mobile writing, and um, you know what? It was a it was a good game. It wasn't a traditional RPG by any means. It was, God, it's been so long since I played it because um, it was on my phone and that phone died and I lost the data. And you know, it was how like it goes. a puzzle game or something with uh, with microtransactions. Yeah, if you're going to compare it to anything, strangely enough, uh, a good comparison is uh, Puzzle and Dragons, where you 
kind of take your player piece and you knock around other pieces, and it's actually highly satisfying to play, except uh, the artwork is really, really nicely done. I think Amano worked on it. Um, yes, Amano like, contributed, like, uh, key art. And, like, when he was yes. doing his big, like, announcement for Terra Battle, like, he had, like, this video that I will never forget because he was like, and now I'm, like, bringing in my buddies. And it was obvious that, like, we were having a beer. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, wait, wait, here, let me get, let me get a video of you, like, holding up a beer and saying, let's go Terra Battle. <laughs> oh, and by the right. way, like, if we hit a certain milestone, will you, like, make some key art for it or something? Yes? Awesome. Good stuff. Now, it was a, um, as I recall, too, like, each character had, like, a, a complex background written for them. It was, in a way, it was very Western uh, in terms of the RPGs. So you had, like, the different classes and, like, the different descriptors of every class and um, it had gorgeous music. It was just a really interesting game. And talking about it now, I, I do want to go back and play it again. And I am very interested in playing the second one. Mm. Uh, there was, of course, a gotcha system. Of course there of was. Of course going to be, yeah. Because it's an RP, and, it, it, it's a Japanese mobile game. It's always going to have yeah. a gotcha system. Yeah, and it was kind of nonsense, but they all are. But overall, it was it was a fun game, and it was very unique, and it was very interesting. Um, but you and I were talking about how we kind of want to see Sakaguchi go back to console games at least part-time. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would actually like to see... I don't know how it would work since it has like the whole free-to-play gotcha thing, but I wouldn't mind seeing Terra Battle games on the Switch because it has a touchscreen. You can do it, no problem. Uh, I mean, Terra Battle? Uh... I don't know, it's a little too mobile. Terra Battle 2, on the other hand, appears to be kind of a tactics game. Like, they're, they're changing mm. it up a little bit. It seems to be quite a bit more elaborate this time around. Did they say if it was free-to-play yet? Uh, yeah, it's going to be the same as before. It's going to be free-to-play with microtransactions. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I don't know. Like, there is this game, Terra... Uh, Terra... The other one... <laughs> Terra World, I think. It's no, Terra, Terra, the other Terra World is the. Oh no, yeah, no. Terra Battle Two and Terra World. Uh, Terra Terra Wars. Terra oh, Wars. Wars. That was Terra it. Terra something with a W. Yes, Terra World is like the franchise. Oh, okay. Yeah, Terra Wars. Damn it, Sasaguchi. Terra Wars is the other game which we don't know about. Mm, right, we don't know anything about that one yet. Now, when I talked to Sakaguchi last year at Bit Summit. He said he was working on a game mm-hmm. and that it was a console game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is intriguing. And like he has said in the past, I am working on a console game. Or it turns out that Terra Battle 2 is a Cyber Connect game. So what is going on with Terra Wars? What is Terra Wars? Um, please, God, let it be something <laughs> other than a mobile puzzle game. I really hope it is because um, a lot of people don't know it, of course, because they never played Terra Battle, but it's a very interesting world. Like, you can tell Sakaguchi mm. really put a lot of thought into this this world and its characters and its gods and its warriors. So I remember being really... Tell me really... about the world. What's that? Tell me about the world. That's the problem. I can't remember. It's been so long <laughs> since... <laughs> it's such an interesting world that I don't remember anything about it. It's been years. I, I just remember, like, God, it had, it had something to do with, Has like, gods years? and mortals Jeez. and... It was interesting. I suppose so. I, definitely definitely worth revisiting. Put it that way. That's one thing with Sakaguchi. He does put a fair amount of thought into his settings, which I think mm-hmm. is why they resonate so much with people. Um, mm-hmm. Is that 
you know, they want to be in this world. If anything, yeah. Final Fantasy has become a caricature of itself, and it's always kind of bothered me, actually. Um, and this, this is not a new rant for us, but mm-hmm. if there's one thing that Final Fantasy twelve drove home, which Matsuno is kind of like Sakaguchi in that he has a very clear sense of what his settings are. Like yeah. Final Fantasy twelve has a very clear setting and a mm-hmm. very clear aesthetic. Whereas very well developed. Thirteen and fifteen, not like it's just this mishmash of elements. <laughs> yeah, it let's really just smash bothers together. Me. I mean, yeah, it's like here are a bunch of uh, here's here are a bunch of overdesigned characters, and this guy's wearing like Gucci outfit, but this guy's wearing a suit of armor, <laughs> and like it doesn't make any dang sense. Like one moment you'll have a medieval castle, but then they'll be like at a fifties diner. It's worse than Star Wars Episode 2 when they walked into Dex- Dexter Jetster's diner and for some reason it's the 1950s. And you're like, what? Why? Maybe he was just and it's all because George Lucas culture. wanted to pay homage to uh, his movie American Graffiti from the 70s. He's like, oh, that that that'd be fun. Yeah, that's really? that's exact. That's solely what a dork. why they did that. It was like, oh, let's put a 50 diner, 50s diner in here, whatever. It's an homage to one of my older movies. <laughs> With that, with fifteen, I can kind of believe it because you have the whole walled kingdom and the the kind of ruined world outside of it. Like mm-hmm. that's fine. But uh, thirteen, I felt was really too obsessed with being so pretty and so complex that it kind of forgot to make it a livable, interesting world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like how many faux French words do you need? How many apostrophes do you need, people? If you're going <laughs> to write fantasy, you don't need apostrophes. You yeah. really don't. Yeah, there was a certain point where the, especially the terminology in Final Fantasy thirteen stopped making any dang sense. But <laughs> it just stopped real quick. So, in that regard, like, I don't particularly care about the Terra universe at the moment. But that's because I didn't play Terra Battle. And mm-hmm. give me a proper RPG set in that universe, and I think I would play it. Yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of people would like it. I think Sakaguchi can still make a good RPG. Yeah. Uh, he showed that in a number of RPGs that followed um, after Final Fantasy. Uh, see, Blue Dragon tends to be kind of maligned, but a lot of people think that Lost Odyssey like is a secret, like one of the secret best RPGs or secret best games. Period on the Xbox mm-hmm. 360, for example. Mm-hmm. And Never got to play that. Never got to play. I have Blue Dragon, but I haven't played it. I just know it had that song by Jack Black. <laughs> Did the, it? The boss theme. It was like the best worst thing in history. Oh my gosh. I just remember I just remember Blue Dragon, like the line to see it in two thousand six. That was literally the most the Japanese people have cared about the Xbox three sixty ever. <laughs> or the Xbox the X- period. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, was it Xbox or Xbox three sixty? I can't remember. That was the Xbox three sixty. Okay, yeah. And it was right, a big deal you- because Microsoft was like this this time around, we are making a big push for Japan, and the first thing they did was sign an exclusive deal with uh, Mistwalker, and they also signed mm-hmm. a deal with Bandai Namco and got Tales of Vesperia on it as a what what became a I believe a timed exclusive. Right. So and, they tried. They really, mm-hmm. really did try. But um, got Last Remnant on there, like some Square games, mm-hmm. and then of course the bombshell was that Final Fantasy thirteen, they nabbed Ooh-hoo. Final Fantasy thirteen for the Xbox 360, but then Final Fantasy 13 A wasn't that great, and B was actually inferior in the 360 compared to the PS3. One one no, of the times was, was, that the PS3 got a big win over the 360. Yeah, um, but it was funny to see all the young people like 
feeling so betrayed over the fact that uh, Square Enix was making a, uh, a game for the Xbox uh, 360. Mm. I was like, oh, children, let me tell you about Super Nintendo and PlayStation 1. You think you know betrayal. You don't know anything. <laughs> I just remember Shane Bettenhausen's Megaton bombshell announcement. Advent Children's Blu-ray will contain a demo for Final mm. Fantasy XIII. And everybody was just like, Megaton, huh? <laughs> Megaton. That was such a bad movie. Working one up yours circa 2008. R.I.P. All right. Uh, so yeah, Miss Walker continues to do well. Eh? Hey, Terra Battle it seems to have made Sakaguchi a lot of money. He's mm. happy, but he's happy he's still making it. <laughs> people are playing that game, but maybe, maybe the rest of us would like something other than a microtransaction-driven. Have you ever game. seen um, the the Mega sixty four skit with Sakaguchi? No. Oh, it's hilarious! You got You got to look it up. It's uh, where he um, basically tries to get himself fired from from Square Enix, and he, he every time he like this is literally him. They got him to play himself, and every time he uh, comes across a crazy ass idea, it gets more money for Square Enix. So they're like, "Well, you're doing great. You're doing great." And finally, when the Spirits Within comes out, it bombs, and they're like, uh, "Are you are you Sakaguchi? Yeah, you're out of here." <laughs> And so he's like, all right, I can finally pursue my dream. And he becomes a rap master or something crazy <laughs> like that. It's pretty great. You got to look it up. Spirits within. Oh my gosh. Change the course of history. That was also a bad movie. What is it with Final Fantasy and bad movies? Yeah. Like I have to ask. I saw it in theaters. One one good thing, though, about Advent Children is, the, well, this is the Japanese version only. It had an ending song with uh, Gerard Way saying it. Okay. My Chemical Romance. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm sorry. I didn't get to the end of Advent Children because it bored me so much. I don't so blame much. you. <laughs> it was so boring. <laughs> I remember a, a friend of mine who I worked with at the time was like, I didn't understand the damn thing that was going on in that movie. Because it like, didn't yeah. make any sense. A yeah. harbinger of things to come in Final Fantasy. <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, God, it only got worse. All right. Pillars of Eternity is going to be on console. Yeah, that's right. Which is cool, I suppose. Um, I was asking about this a few years ago, and they're like, eh, maybe, maybe, eventually. But no, it is officially going on consoles where it will be joining uh, that other game, Torment Tides of Numenera, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I mean, kind of similar, or at least in the similar vein. Both are isometric RPGs. Um, I have sung the praises of Pillars of Eternity in the past, you're not the only one. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, is it perfect? No, I, I think they could have done better work with the stronghold in particular. Um, as for whether it will work very well on console, I guess we'll see. It's a very PC-centric game. Yeah, I was wondering about that. As I recall playing um, Torment, wasn't it very mouse-heavy control? Somewhat, yes. Um, yeah. So the way it works is when a battle starts, you pause mm-hmm. and you give directions and everything and then things play out in real time mm-hmm. and every character has a ton of abilities so it's going to use yeah. like literally every button on the the controller like face pad and that kind of thing so right it's not it's not unreasonable to be able to put this game it's just going to be kind of unwieldy yeah yeah well it's it's good to have the the option it is good to have the option and i appreciate that it's going to get out to more more people is going to have a broader mm-hmm. audience, especially with Pillars of Eternity 2 currently in the works. Um, the DLC was pretty solid. Pretty mm-hmm. solid, yeah. So 
Uh, and I, I assume the console version will include all of that. So, yeah, I was wondering about so that. So people who missed out on Pillars of Eternity the first time, they will be able to play it on console. One other note, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is out now. Stormblood is mm-hmm. out. It's called Stormblood, right? Yes. It is Stormblood, yes. Can you tell that I'm still kind of like out of it after <laughs> Half after your E3? Left I'm like, what is this game? Stormbrood. <laughs> Stormbrew? Is this about coffee? Mm, ooh, Stormbrew. I drink That's that. actually a good promotional tie-in. You know, don't don't count Square Enix out from selling something like that in their official store. Oh God, no. Circa, you know, 2008. 2000 like 2006 when final fantasy 12 came out they were selling those damn potions do you remember the potions oh i have a friend who drank that and she kind of like blogged about it and she said it was the worst thing she tasted in her life i remember shane bettenhausen once again uh, another call out i think he drank that on a dare maybe (laughs) it tastes like rust and nails i mean it i had one for years and i like i was afraid to even open it at a certain point like because (laughs) <laughs> the vapors might kill me. Like yeah. they might take me out. Ugh. I have a a Super Mario energy drink in the back of my fridge, and I'm I'm just terrified to touch a Super Mario energy drink. And, yeah, it's I don't know, made out of mushrooms or some shit. I don't know. Made out of it's, mushrooms? Uh, no, it's not. It probably just tastes like counterfeit Red Bull, like the rest of them do. It tastes like burning. <laughs> Did you? You had Super Mario cereal back in the day, right? I did not. What? It was real we gross. Had, it was one yeah, of the grossest things I've ever had. The thing with Canada is we have kind of stricter regulations on our cereals. Um. So, and even cereals that we do have uh, that America has are, are very different. Like corn pops here are freaking nasty and fruity pebbles are freaking nasty. And I never hear the end of it from American husband about how bad they are. But yeah, we never had a lot of commercial cereals didn't quite make it here. As usual, Canada does things worse than America. News at 11. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember the jingle. Nintendo is a cereal. Wow. Is that the one? Yes. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I just remember that it had Mario and Zelda. And the Mario the Mario cereal was so bad. I, I think it was kind of like a cherry <laughs> flavoring. Like an artificial cherry flavoring, like cough syrup, but in cereal form. Ew. Like, it, it was uneatable. It was inedible. Uneatable. It, it looked it, like dead boogers. Ugh. And then the the Zelda one, of course, like, I didn't know anything about Zelda. So I was like, I don't want to eat this cereal. I don't know anything about <laughs> Zelda. I was a very picky child. I, don't I haven't, I don't know much about Zelda. Therefore, I do not want to eat the cereal. But I ate the I cereal. To, I do not want to eat the Moblins. <laughs> Uh, but that was a digression. Uh, anyway, Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood is now out, and we will be talking about it, but here is the problem. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV, like a period when we could theoretically be reviewing it, uh, was during E3 time. Yeah, good good job. That was great. So yeah, that was the thing, and our primary MMORPG aficionado, Mike Williams, Mike. Uh, was on the show floor with us. So he was not really able to uh, tackle it until he got back. He is currently playing it. He should have the impressions up by the time this podcast goes up. And then we will have a fuller review next week. Was he even able to connect? I don't know. There was a, It was undergoing a, a denial of service attack last I checked. It was not good. Yeah, and even before that, it just was not logging on. I, my Twitter was full of people just complaining about how they couldn't get in. 
Yeah, yeah, no. Same old, same old. Same old, same old for any MMORPG that you've ever played. Yeah. My one experience with a expansion launch for an MMORPG, I think, was World of Warcraft when they introduced the Worgens. Mm. And I remember, wow. like, five zillion, like, people who were wearing, like, <laughs> regular clothes in the Worgens starting zone, standing around all of the quest objectives, waiting for them to spawn. <laughs> so that they could hit them and then like start in and I'm like, come on. I need to kill the monsters too so that it can get to the next objective. Oh my god. Ugh. That's hilarious. MMORPGs are the worst. They're so dumb but so great. Yeah, but I keep being told that Final Fantasy Fourteen is the most amazing story. And I like I need to get to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, please. I'm like, look, I'm paying my respects. I am literally I literally have a subscription and I'm not playing. So do I. Like I, I renewed my my subscription and uh, I downloaded the update and. Uh, this I is why, play. by the way, Blizzard has literally like billions of dollars because millions and upon millions of subscribers just don't cancel their accounts and they just keep getting money. <laughs> Blizzard's like cha-ching, thank you. Like even now, <laughs> multi-million people have subscriptions yeah. to World of Warcraft. It's insane. It, it is say, truly oh, insane. And they say, oh, I should get back into it, and then they never do. Yeah, I had a, even I had a World of Warcraft subscription for like a solid year, and I didn't play at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you play as? What, what race? I don't know. I never really found like a character that I particularly liked. Um, I started several games and always got bored before I got very far. I always wanted to play as a Tauren. Oh, yeah, that would have been fun. Like, I, I started an orc character. I wanted to play as an orc, but I wasn't impressed by the Stark orc starting zone. I think the furthest I ever got, really, was as a wargan. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the wargan are. Are they the... Um... They're the wolves. They're the werewolves. That's right. What well, warg. What the... Yeah, of course. Because they put... Um, because Blizzard wanted to appeal to the furries. Of course. Well, not just the furries, but at that point, was Twilight a big thing? Because that would be it, too. Oh, I, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> there's so I'm sure there's some overlap between Twihards and World of Warcraft players, sure. I love werewolves too, to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. I mean, werewolves cool. versus vampires, werewolves, werewolves every time. Thank you. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite characters from Darkstalkers was the wolf. Oh, uh John Talbang. Oh man, you even remember his name? Good job. I do. I lo- I I like him, I like Saberwolf. Yeah, but he was, never fo- he was never featured as heavily as some of the other characters, um, mm-hmm. namely the, the succubus uh, Morgan or the vampire or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, she was always, uh, he was always kind of in the background despite being awesome. Yeah, Morgan, of course, is kind of front and center. Yes. Tatas. All right. So, uh, yeah, so Stormblood, we will be talking about it next week. Um where we'll be having a special guest. Phil Kohler is going to be joining us next week. Oh, really? Oh, that sounds awesome. To be talking about Stormblood and sharing all of his thoughts as an MMORPG aficionado. So <laughs> please look forward to that. Okay, last bit of news. Uh, Bandai Namco announced earlier this week that Dot .hack is getting a remaster for the PlayStation 4 and I think the PC um this is not the dot hack that came out in 2002 this is the dot hack that came out afterward dot hack gu volume one two and three rebirth reminisce and redemption how very evangelian of those titles those are the, those are the real three r's not yes. the whole reading writing arithmetic thing of course dot hack is primarily best known for being a kind of long-winded extended um 
very mediocre series of RPGs <laughs> that came that started in 2002 and is now 15 years old, by the way. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, can you believe those? And they had like four games that came out on the PlayStation 2, like within the course of like a year. It was actually That's pretty crazy. amazing. Yeah, no, they just like pumped them out. That was the equivalent of doing essentially um, Hitman, the, the Hitman yeah. remaster. But, you know, where they were putting out a different episode each time with a, with a whole different setting in each place and then eventually collecting them. Um, yeah. But this was, you know, the days before, long before downloadable games. And they <laughs> were putting it out as, you know, like full price standalone games, which was, was actually kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I don't know if you get away with that in this day and age. Yeah, probably not. I mean, like, I'm trying to think of instances where people are putting out full price package like mm-hmm. uh series of games it, it was a bold experiment and this was a thing that bandai namco was doing in general back then they also did this with xenosaga yes that's right yes yeah, so xenosaga the game that gave us cosmos or is it cosmos 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 the I, android I, I don't know <laughs> yes the android with the boobies uh, a game xenosaga a, a series that was originally supposed to be like five games that would continue all the way into the PlayStation 3 era, which mm. is kind of crazy to me uh, in hindsight. And maybe Bandai Namco realized that it was crazy as well because they ended up kind of cutting it short after three games. <laughs> wrap it up, boys. Wrap it up. Just get this thing finished. We're not going to continue into the next generation. Jeez, jeez, crazy. But <laughs> Dot Hack uh, 2002. <sighs> I mean, it mostly stood out because MMORPGs were a new and novel thing back in 2002, mm-hmm. and still relatively new and novel. In fact, this was pre-World of Warcraft, interestingly yeah, enough. Yeah, by like 2003, um, the first MMORPG, that first MMORPG I played was Ragnarok Online, and that was mm. around 2003. Yes. So, that was definitely before Warcraft. Yes, EverQuest um, was still kind of owning it. This was this was when people were still hyping up the first Star Wars MMORPG, which, by oh, the God, way, yeah. MMORPG yep. nuts will tell you that Star Wars, like the first Star Wars from 2003, was good. It wasn't. It was not a good <laughs> game. It was insane. It did insane <laughs> things. It was kind of fascinating in that regard. I mean, you could be like a dancer on a forbidden planet somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Dancing to who? The but stars? most of the time, you were jumping around sand dunes, chasing rats. Oh boy, that sounds exciting. Yes, and I had the jump to light speed expansion, which almost enticed me in. But I digress. Uh, so yes, Dot Hack was a it wanted to be an MMORPG. It was like the it was based on an anime mm-hmm. where you That's um. Right. I guess the characters went inside the game and were kind of existing in this world and. Like m- m- things were happening to the to the world, to the network, to the database, and that kind of thing. And like it's being, you know, reflected in the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That whole that whole era was very. There was so much like quote unquote cyberspace stuff going on. Like mm-hmm. Mega Man Battle Network was kind of the same idea, where you would like have the whole like inside the network, and you had to fight viruses, and it was very, very, f- I guess a, a very um, positive look at the future. <laughs> yes. I remember feeling a little overwhelmed by Dot Hack when it came out. Yeah, same here. A whole bunch of them came out at like once, like in 2002. And like I saw them on shelves and I was just like, oh my God, there's too many games. I can't do it. 
<laughs> that and by then the fan base was very uh not really insular but very the whole fandom was very um thick hard mm. to, to penetrate if you excuse my sexual language <laughs> i was very poor at the time as well yeah that didn't help yes I was very poor at the same time i had to be very judicious with the monies that i spent and i was much more keen on buying soul caliber 2 <laughs> than i was on buying uh you know a series of playstation 2 rpgs also i didn't own a ps2 me neither. But so it goes. Actually, so yeah, like Dot Hack ended up getting kind of middling reviews from uh, critics, but it has a fan base. Uh, lots of people really enjoy it. On the other mm -hmm. hand, Legend of Dragoon also has a fan base. So <laughs> Does it seriously have a fan base? Oh, God, yes. It totally has a fan base. Oh, my gosh. I never played that game, but just looking at it from the outside, uh, it's just one of those games where I just kind of put my, my chin in my in my hand and look at it and just wonder about it nobody has really been able to adequately explain to me why it has a fan base but it totally has one and uh i've the best i've been able to gather is that kids who grew up playing that game back in the day like really mm. really enjoyed it and really remember it you know nostalgia glasses or the nostalgia goggles are on thick and i suspect that might be the case for dot hack or at least the fans of the games really enjoyed it now the remaster is not based on the 2002 games, as I think I mentioned. It is based on .hack GU, which came out several years later, looked considerably better, had mm -hmm. um, upgrades to the uh, battle system, and was arguably, like, say, more mature. But it also came out in 2006, which meant that it really flew under the radar because by that time, next-gen consoles had already come yeah. out and people were moving on from the PlayStation 2. In fact, I remember in early 2007, everybody was declaring the PlayStation 2 to be dead, that God of War 2 was the final, 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 like, major release for that thing. And how long did that system persist? Oh, I mean, it persisted for several more years in Japan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in Japan, it was huge for a long time. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people are happy, I suppose, because this is a new opportunity to experience games that might have flown under the radar, and Dot .hack GU is maybe superior to the original games. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'll give them a shot, but I'm not really feeling this one. I, I could, I'd be interested for people to kind of explain to me, like, what... What is it about Dot .hack that they really like? Um, mm -hmm. And why do you think, uh, like, myself and the audience should kind of give it a shot as an RPGs go? Yeah, I'm listening. Yes. But in the meantime... <laughs> my ears are open. In the meantime, it's going to be in 1080p. Uh, it's going to be uh, widescreen and all that. And it sounds mm -hmm. like they're collecting all of the games into one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is wise of them. It's so very wise. That's nice because then you won't have to buy them separately. Not you, a bad move. You sound really thrilled, Nadi. I'm so thrilled about this game. Like, I am just falling off my chair here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Although, um, I, I did ha I did experience a little bit of dot .hack in uh, Project Cross Zone. Oh, uh, did you? And uh, when, I was through, when I was in that part, I was like, yeah, that's great. Where's Mega Man X and Zero? Um, Everybody made it to Project <laughs> Cross Zone. <laughs> What's that? Everybody made it to Project Cross Zone. Oh, they did it. That's what made it such a fun, cracked-out game. It was just off its wall, off the wall. It was hilarious. I suppose, like, if all you care about is essentially reading fan fiction, it can be pretty fun. Oh, it is, like, just 100%. Like, it reminds me of when I was in grade 7 and some kid wrote a fan fiction about, like, someone killed Hulk Hogan's grandmother, so all these, like, cartoon characters got together to avenge her. What? And he had, like, 
you had like Pac-Man and Mario and Mega Man who died fighting Mega Vault from uh, Darkwing Duck and like you. Just, just, and the the moral of the story at the end was don't kill someone's grandmother or this will happen because the world essentially blew up. But essentially blew up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this actually sounds kind of like a great coked out uh, fanfic uh, starring a lot of different characters. It, it very much was, and uh, like I mentioned last week, like the whole scene with like Yakuza and just like it, there's there's a certain kind of I felt like I was on some really weird drugs the whole time I played. Like I haven't played the original, but I played two, and it was just a gas. I mean, the gameplay itself is is okay. It's not great. Um, it's fun, but the battles drag on for a long time. But just the story bits in between was was just great. Project Cross Zone. I, the thing that I liked the most about it was that it had 2D representations of a lot of different characters. Like I had the Valkyria yeah. Chronicles crew. It had the uh, the people from Residents of Fate. I think because yeah. Sega was like, "Yes, we're in this, and we'll just throw some characters in here or something." <laughs> I don't know. These guys. Yeah, these Residents of Fate guys or something. Uh, we'll just toss in Valkyria Chronicles. It's all good. So <clears throat> yeah, uh, I didn't care for the battle system which was very repetitive just a bit just a little bit just much like super robot wars endless frontier which was terrible (laughs) that was not a good game i did not like it but regardless uh, i digress dot hack it's coming out at some point it's being remastered so dot hack fans you can rejoice it's on its way Alright, let's talk a little bit about Endless Oasis Naga. So, interesting game. It Um, looks really cute. It is so cute. Oh my god. (laughs) It is the cutest game. So, it's by uh, the director of Secret of Mana. Which is a, a score with me. A person who's worked on many of the Mana games. And it was is being published by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So that's, and it's coming out today as of the publication of this podcast. And that's why it stood out to me was that, you know, not a ton of RPGs right now and Nintendo, like it has a really great pedigree. So I decided mm-hmm. to give a shot. I ended up reviewing it. You can review, read the review over on the site. I ended up giving it a 3.5 out of 5. And, um, yeah, I liked it though. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it was really, it was soothing. Yeah, and that, that's okay very, with me. Yeah, I found it very relaxing to play. Mm-hmm. So, um, are you familiar with the basic premise, Nadia? Uh, something about how the world is a desert and you kind of forge an oasis in the middle of it all, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, that, that is the basic premise. Um, so it opens like you're at a you're on in an oasis uh, with your brother, but then mm-hmm. chaos shows up and kills everybody. Okay. And in a last-ditch effort, your brother... Puts you like in a little, I don't know, kind of like the Superman ball from the Superman <laughs> movie and yeah. sends you away like you're being sent away from Krypton and you're sent into the desert and you meet this water nymph and this water nymph is like very sad because she's like, oh, oh, that's it. I mean, I just like there's nothing else. I ha- I want I can't create a new oasis like the world is dead. Um, but then you show up <laughs> and it was like, oh, cool. Hi. 
<laughs> and want to help me rebuild the world? And she is like almost this big sister type figure. Mm-hmm. Like you have slumber parties, you're staying up, oh. you're like talking all night. And of course, your character is a silent uh, protagonist, so they don't say anything. He or she does mm-hmm. not say anything. But it was very, very cute. Like where they would s- kind of like hang out at night and like talk, I suppose. Or I suppose the water nymph would share her cares, pour her worries into this vessel that was the protagonist. And the protagonist, of course, just, um, you know, smiles and nods, but like nods <laughs> in this like super cupid doll like way, like, <laughs> like her head like just goes, Ur. uh, it's like, that <laughs> is her reaction to everything. <laughs> and I don't know why, but it really just, I was like, oh God, this cute overload. Stop, stop. I should definitely give it a try. Um, oh, you would like it. I think. Yeah, I, I think I would. And um, it's, it sounds like a good e- post E3 game. So relaxing. I went in not knowing much about it. I was actually kind of expecting something like Animal Crossing. Oh, really? No, it was more like I've heard it compared to um, what is that? The fantasy Life? Yeah. Yeah, Fantasy Life, I guess. Uh, I, I suppose. Um, so the the basic premise is that you create this oasis with this water nymph, and people start wandering in. Um, these travelers, and if you do what the traveler wants or fulfill some kind of story goal, uh, you will join to them with them and build a bloom booth, which is a little shop. Aww. And they sell things uh, to these little penguin, like these little pigeon guys who also come <laughs> into the town. And they don't they don't talk; they just come in and buy things. <laughs> they're, the, they're the ultimate consumer. The pigeon people. The pigeon people. They come in and they buy the things, and so. They're coming in and buying things, and you have to periodically restock the shops. And that's mm-hmm. really, I mean, there's some other stuff that happens with the sta- town, but that's really about the extent of what you do there. So Yeah, I got the impression from your review that it's a, a great basis for a game, mm. and it, ha- it does a lot of things right, but it could probably stand to be a little deeper. Yeah, the thing that stands out to me about the town is that it's really kind of there to gate your progress. Um, so it's like, oh, like you can explore this one area once you get this one townsfolk, once you, and that's only going to happen once you fulfill certain requirements, which will cause them to show up or whatever. Right. right? Um, there's a part in the game where you need to host a festival. And how do you host a festival? You need to get like 10 stamps. (laughs) How do you get 10 stamps? Um, you got to get them from the shopkeepers. And the way you get a stamp from a shopkeeper is that they have to sell a certain number of items. Uh, like, and once they sell a certain number of items, they will give you a stamp. So they kind of validate your parking. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So that can, you know, it's a little time consuming, to be honest. And it's at that point that the game kind of grinds to a halt a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so in, in that regard, the town, like the town is kind of there to serve as a reflection of how you are growing as a character. Right. Is it a, a long RPG or is it kind of on the short side? Yeah, it's middle, mid-length. It's, it's not that long, but, you know. It's, well, after Persona 5. I, it's I not think Persona I'm 5. Put it that way. <laughs> I think I'm ready for something under 100 hours. It's definitely 100, under 100 hours. But, okay. Uh, so the core of the game is you go into the world and your goal basically is to continue to grow your, your town, I, I guess, by... Uh, finding these kind of like these treasures, like these luminous mm-hmm. things that will help restore light to the world and defeat chaos. 
Uh, because you start to build up your oasis, and immediately these chaos plans show up. And you're like, oh no, chaos plans. They're messing everything oh, up. They're sucking the life. Killer. They're sucking the life out of the, the, out of the, out of the sand and all that stuff. And oh, like, no, the life in the sand. If what you're not careful, like pretty soon the town will just be kind of devoured, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to venture out into the world and look for help. And at a certain point, you can start bringing townsfolk. And the core of the game is your. It's a dungeon crawler, and you're solving these, like, kind of simple little puzzles where, like, one character, like, for example, can turn into a ball, they can go into a tunnel, they can open up a door. Um, right. Another character can kind of leverage uh, stones away, and then the person in the ball can, like, bounce off it and in interesting ways. Like, the puzzles don't usually go more than a couple steps, mm-hmm. but it's fun. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's all right. Like it's competently executed. Um, same goes for the combat. Like the combat is like this rock paper scissors kind of like weakness thing. Like some characters are stronger against certain enemies mm-hmm. than others, but most of the time you can run up and just kind of beat them over the head until they're dead. <laughs> I got a stick, and you're dead now. Yeah, no. The, the character designs look really cute. They are so. really cute. Yeah, like yeah. I, I like the. Um, I cannot remember any of their names. There's like kind of the lizard girl. And then there are yeah, the little Cubie doll cool. characters, and then there's like a, a big guy with a hammer. Um, <laughs> I can, seriously cannot remember any of their names because like they just aren't that consequential, I suppose. Like you mm-hmm. see them wandering around your town, that kind of thing, and you can say hi to them and nod at them and <laughs> things like that. But like the relationships aren't very strong in this game, except right. I would say between the main character and the the, the water nymph. So it is very much like Secret, not really Secret of Mana, but like the first Secret of Mana game had like uh, it had like a bond between the characters. But then like subsequent games kind of lessened that that story and bond yeah. in favor of of more gameplay. So yeah, a little bit in between, I guess, by the sounds of it. Yeah, the bonds aren't very strong like at all for the most part. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, like I mentioned, how the town was kind of being used as a a way to you know it's like a way to illustrate your progress and a right. way to gate your progress. Um, really. And then the other thing is like, as you like collect more items, um, you can craft things. Mm-hmm. So you can like craft an improved sword or you can craft Good old crafting, craft an improved armor, like that kind of thing. So, um, and you need to do that and, and you need to get droplets like water droplets, which are earned by selling things in the booths in the way that you get, um, the way you collect your money is that you literally throw like a whirlwind <laughs> at the shops and they like all the all the money comes like pops out and like goes into your wallet tax time <laughs> pretty much it's like oh congratulations i'm making all of the money give me <laughs> you want to live here you want to live in this oasis pay up communism yeah it's more like the mafia <laughs> it'd be a real shame if something happened to your nice booth yes exactly it's like whoa yeah, I'm protecting you. Like, there's chaos out there. It's chaotic. <laughs> you want to be able to keep to your shop? Well, all right. Pay up. It's 100% tax. <laughs> wow, this game's darker than I was thinking. Yeah, it sounds like it on the surface. There's something below there. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah. so you s- there's a day-night cycle. Um, fairly inconsequential one. It's mostly just to be like, Okay, during the day, you're, like, out exploring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then at night, you go to sleep, and then you start all over again. And mm-hmm. often, like, you're waiting for things to happen. Like, I, I think one of my problems with the game is that when you go, when you're waiting for things to happen, like, things really grind to a halt. Because there's not yeah. a lot to 
do when you're waiting. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can go out and you can kind of explore and kill some things and collect more stuff, but you collect so much naturally that in some yeah. respects, like, you are you always have enough to restock all of the booths. Like, mm-hmm. just by the monsters that you kill and the things that you grab as you're wandering around in the world. So there's not a lot of impetus to go out and just wander. Yeah. I did. I you know, I wandered around. I went into different caves. A lot of the caves are gated. Like, you can't, <laughs> like... You can't progress until you have the right character or like some mm-hmm. the right story mode, like story event happens or something like that. In fact, a lot of the a lot of it in that regard, Ever Oasis is actually quite a straightforward game, like more straightforward mm-hmm. than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe it would have made it a different kind of game, but I kind of wanted the town to play a greater role in things. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. So it definitely sounds like, I understand why I gave it a 3.5, but it, it still sounds like the kind of, you know, 3.5 people think, oh my god, it's trash, because that's the industry we're in. Well, that's stupid. But, no, um, it's a good game. Yeah, but it sounds like a, a really good game, and I'll, I'll definitely want to support it, because who knows, maybe the next one will be a little bit deeper, a little bit better, you know? Yeah, it's polished, it's cute, it um, it's competently executed, like the battle system <laughs> is fine. Uh, I like the character designs and the art for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the town aspect of it works just fine um, in the role that it's designed for. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of limited role, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there's a crafting system, which is okay. Like, the puzzles are pretty good. Um, I think that if they had been able to take it a bit further, like, it could have been really special, to be honest. Yeah. But as it is, it's a nice little snack. <laughs> a nice snack. A nice light snack, like Coffee Crisp. That said, I like one idea that it has. I like the idea of the town illustrating your progress. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan in general of player housing in games. Um, mm-hmm. You're pro housing, like your your Fallout Four uh, settlement. I am crazy for player housing. I'm crazy mm-hmm. for my for my doll houses or whatever. Um, and I would like to see that aspect of the game taken by another game and just continue to expand i remember bravely default had something to that effect where like you had yeah. a town that you can kind of grow yeah you, you would go back to shoot i can't remember the main character's name but you would go back and um rebuild his town mm-hmm. um and you would get rewards for rebuilding it and they had the same thing in uh, end layer as well where you rebuilt the moon <laughs> yes i liked Literally. that yeah it wasn't as closely like intertwined as it were right mm-hmm. yeah so um, it, it, it always felt like it was kind of off to the side where like the town in Ever Oasis is front and center. Yeah. A lot of people were comparing it to Fantasy Life. Did you play Fantasy Life? I did. Yes. Jeremy loved um, Fantasy Life. Yeah. Fantasy Life was a lot of fun. I never finished it cause it's a very kind of in-depth game, but, um, it had, that was more, I think that was a little more intense in terms of combat though, because you had all these different classes you could mm-hmm. learn stuff from and, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it might be a little different, but the, the aesthetics definitely remind me of um, of uh, Fantasy Life. What's the structure of a Fantasy Life exactly? I never got around to playing that one. Well, if I'm if I'm recalling correctly, there was a central town. I don't remember if you built anything up in it, but there was a central town, and you could apprentice yourself to learn new jobs. Like you could do everything from like cooking to being a ranger. To I think I was like a, a ranger, and I like you know was friends with animals and stuff like that. But um, yeah, you go. It was a very it was one of those games that's very uh, Japanese, but also very Western in its structure, because mm-hmm. it was very much based around quests and jobs and stuff like that. It, there was a story, as I recall. Very grindy. It, it, it was very, very grindy. 
Yes, yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's like, do you want a very cohesive, like, story, or do you want to grind all the yeah, time? Exactly. I don't know why there can't be a happier medium here, but whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> it's against the law. But Ever Oasis really seems to go in the other direction. It's like a very mm. straightforward, very linear, like, very purposeful game where you're just, like, yeah. moving straight ahead. Your town is... You are building your town. As you... As your town grows, you get more powerful, you get more characters, etc. Um, the characters have special abilities, like, you can take them out, like, some of them can mine, some of them can dig, some of them yeah. can access new areas, etc. So, yeah. Ever Oasis. Yeah, you should definitely play it. I, I recommend it. Yeah, it's out, um, well, as we're recording this, uh, I can, I it's can see It's out now. As it, Is as, it out now? It's out, well, it's out as your people who are listening to it are listening to oh, this. Oh, Yes. <laughs> on the Nintendo 3DS. But we're living in the past. We are so. living in the past. All right. So uh, let's wrap up a little bit with comments from the peanut gallery, the people who are listening to this podcast. Last week, we ended up talking a fair amount about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And, of mm. course, Writer Kicker says, I have not gotten through like 10% of Xenoblade Chronicles, mostly because I was using an unsavory method to play it. And it made my Wii go weird, so I gave up on it. I have got to hunt down the 3DS version, though I regret not buying it ASAP, as I have bought plenty of games at launch. From what I played, I appreciate the localization and reminded me of the work on Dragon Quest VIII. The battle system was a bit confusing for me, as it seemed most of the stuff was automatic. I really liked how Quest didn't require me to go back to the poster like in other games, and I laughed my butt off in random encounters since the party ended up sounding like hooligans. They did. They kind of had, especially Ryan. He had that really like low class British accent. It's Ryan time. Am I crazy? Is Xenoblade Chronicles on Wii U's Virtual Console? Because that's what uh, Tetragamatron is saying. Is it? Um, I remember like that was a thing that we wanted it to be out on the American, uh, the American Virtual Console, but I couldn't yeah. remember if it ever made it. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention, so I don't know for sure. Hmm. In any case, if it is, you should go get it because it's really good. Um, so he also says, I or they really also say, I really like, I really dig the Xenoblade battle system, but it took a lot of tinkering and reading online to understand it. Try yeah. playing as everyone, try every new art you get. Not everything is useful, but you'll find some of the combos they yield are. The quests that yeah. pay off automatically are the generic quests. There are bridge more involved quests in every area. Chronicles X, man, I went back and forth on that game. <laughs> Opening was strong, exploration was great, but the story seemed all over the place. I ended up liking X a lot when it started treating it as a science fiction anthology with a bunch of different stories happening in the same place, the same viewpoint character. The main story was pretty much non-existent, mm -hmm. but the character stories in the beefier side quest chains were shockingly good. Hmm. And go back to that sometime. for what it's worth, I would count Xenoblade 1 as one of the best JRPGs up there. Right up there with Chrono Trigger. Ooh, strong words. That are, those are strong words, but I, I won't fight very hard to uh, rebuke them. <laughs> uh, Kuni Nino says, Actually, Kat, the comparison to Avatar for Anthem was spot on. Of course, we were talking about Avatar, and we were, we were like, we were being kind, of, being kind of unfair to Avatar, maybe, or just kind of mean to it. Well, it sucks. But Kuni Nino says, That's how it felt like to me, too, and I would consider that a compliment... <laughs> Avatar is not a bad movie. Sure, you can shoot it down for having mediocre plot and banal characters, but that's not where the strength of the film was. It was praised for its tech and the incredible world Cameron managed to craft. 
Uh, and, you know, Kuninino proceeds to talk about how much, how great and detailed and amazing Pandora is and, like, you, how you totally buy the biosphere and finishes and says, it's a really cool film, very thought, well thought on, beautifully crafted. There aren't many movies that look like it. Well, that's true, but uh, that's the thing that bothered me about the movie, just from an outsider's perspective, was how just unrealistically evolved everything was. Like, why the hell did the horses have six legs? Why did the horse <laughs> need six legs? No, 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 why? they gave some thought to it. Like, why is everything big? Because of the lower gravity, that kind of thing. Why are they cats? Why do they, why do they have sex with their hair? I don't know. <laughs> why are they cats? The answer is because it's cute. They're weird looking. They're not cute. They No, they are cute. They... They like specifically went to Disney and were like using all of the character creation techniques where they like gave them the big eyes and that kind of thing and made them like super sexy. So like you were like, oh, yeah, (laughs) alien cat thing. Dances with Smurfs. Uh, Also reminds me or reminds us that Treehouse devoted an entire segment to a playable demo with that was like 40 minutes and went on deaf on the mechanics in the open world. So you should check that out. It's probably on YouTube. Yeah, I think I had it running in the background during E3, but I was working on other stuff. But yeah, they were de- they definitely went in depth into uh, what's going on. Um, Ralik uh, is here to inform me that Destiny is a shooter. <laughs> Thank you, Ralik. <laughs> All right, we cleared that up for this week. I don't mean to be like dismissive, but uh, like, and they they end up going on to talk about how. By the same token, and based on what we've shown in terms of gameplay, Anthem feels like a progression of the more and more shooter-heavy feel of Mass Effect. So yeah, maybe I'm wrong, and there's plenty of role-playing stuff to do in Anthem, and it won't leave you shooting stuff in the face 90% of its playtime, but I don't think so either. <laughs> I mean, how much in terms of classes, customization, skills, etc., would a Call of Duty game have to offer before we start referring to it as an RPG? That's a scary thought, in my honest opinion. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, yeah, other genres have borrowed elements of role-playing games. And so, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, like you... You know, it's that it's the eye test. You look at a game and you go, yeah, yeah, no, this is definitely an MMORPG, or this is definitely an RPG. Destiny is a shooter bolted uh, bolted on top of an MMORPG. It's a co-op shooter that, like, heavily borrows those elements. And mm-hmm. I would not be shocked if Anthem is pretty much the same thing. Like, it has lots of loots and <laughs> different rarity drops. of the loots. And also you shoot things, but you're in a power suit. Yes. That's kind of cool. New hit points. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, the power suits are kind of cool. But yeah, uh, no, it's... We've had this conversation way too many freaking times, and I'm not having it. <laughs> Let's anymore. have it again. Let's have it again. Uh, so, let's see. One last thing. This is from Hulu. Uh, following up on the Earthbound Mother 4 hack, the game's called Unearthed now, and it's being worked on by a Toronto-based Canadian. Hey, maybe hey. Nadia can bring the guy in when the game is finally finished. That'd be a nice change of pace. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, talking about hacks. Yes, RPG hacks. That would be an hacks interesting episode, RPGs. perhaps, uh, because I mean, there's a pretty dedicated community out there to creating their own kind of fan hacks. By mm-hmm. the way, did you know that RPG Maker Fest is out on the 3DS? Yeah, I saw that in the uh, the review schedule, and I've never played an RPG Maker... Well, I, sorry, I played an RPG Maker game, but I've never used RPG Maker, because mm. believe it or not, I'm not that interested in the development side of, uh, of gaming. What? I've I've never had the desire to to make my own games. That's weird. I've written a couple, but uh, I've never never really. We should wanted make an Axe to... of the Blood God RPG. Th- what the hell would that even be? <laughs> Cat and Nadia go out on an adventure. 
I mean, I'd be kind of interested to try it. It'd be a, a two-person party, like get a, all of the U.S. gamer staff in there. We would need a good boss. I think Parrish would be a good boss. <laughs> <laughs> or like Parrish would be like the mysterious like wanderer who yeah, like periodically pops up and you're like, who are you? I don't know if he's noticed, but like every time I summed up his stuff at the end of the week, like when I do the, the wrap up for the uh, end of the week, I've always referred to him in like some kind of like with some kind of title. Like I think mm. in the last one I called him the Kieran of uh, game journalism. <laughs> All right. I I would be interested to try and make an RPG with a two person party. That would be God. I don't know if I've ever played a game with a I'm trying to think of a good one with a two person party. It's been so long. Yeah. I'm like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. A two person like a two person turn based party game would be kind of fun to try. So maybe I'll get maybe I'll pick it up and, and it, take it a crack at making brisk. a thing. Yeah. I've always wanted to make a game journalism game. A game about being a game journalist, which is just the most in self-indulgent thing. <laughs> but there have been games about being a game developer. There have been games yeah. about being a cook. There, I can't think of many games about being a journalist. Like Beyond oh, Good and Evil. Beyond Good and Evil was a game about being a journalist. But not a game journalist. You're a photographer. Yeah. No, like I always imagined, like I remember like I developed a kind of a simulation game, kind of like Game Dev Story, where like, you like start up the office and like you're assigning out like features and one of the first things you have to do is like basically decide do you want uh how are you going to spend your time like how are you going to spend your pool of resources you can spend it on like quicker hit stuff or you can spend it on the more prestige stuff and if you like don't put enough time into the prestige stuff your prestige will drop people will like not like your site like they'll start calling you clickbait and that kind of thing um, but if you put too much into the prestige stuff, then you'll never get any articles out. <laughs> and so, and then, you're, and, and then your best uh, writer uh, dies because they don't have life uh, health insurance. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. This is, okay, this is all getting a little too real. Like, uh, there's a good game about being a game journalist in there somewhere. Um, and then, of course, like figuring out how to distribute like reviews or it could be a little dry. But if you turned it into like an RPG kind of thing. Kind of like uh, Brave Yamada. Did you ever see that one? Oh, that sounds really familiar. Is that, that that's not the one with Sega, is it? It ended up getting localized here. Um, it's the one with the the guy in the underpants who's stalking the yeah. girl. Uh, yes, he's totally a stalker. Dandy, Dandy Dungeon. Uh, that's yeah, yeah. I think I remember that now. The one that uh, the one where the game developer is making a game. Mm-hmm. And his world is his real life is being dramatized in this game through like various yeah. levels and that kind of thing. That, that that could be a fun like if you could turn like a game journalism game into that. Yeah, if it had some fun writing, I could see it being like uh, pretty good. Podcasting the game, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get cats off your lap. It could That's be like um, there was a Penny Arcade comic long, long, long ago where like Gabe was complaining that he didn't have a game for the thing that he was good at. Like, and mm. then he was like, Photoshop hero. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, last last thing is from Matcom26. Nadia is perfect. Aw, that's sweet. For a Canadian. But I'm not perfect. My body is broken and useless. And with that, Axe of Blood God is the US Gamer Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Please do me a favor. Leave us a review on Stitcher. 
so that we can get on the chart. So really appreciate it. Please be. Thank please. you. Also, really please like leave it. reviews on iTunes. If you're enjoying the show, give us a positive review. Positive, more, the more positive reviews we get, the more visible we are and the more people will hopefully download our show. Many, many ways to connect to us. Find us on Twitter and Facebook for US Gamer Net. Please give us a like on Facebook. We really appreciate it. And then you will be able to follow all of, well, all of our really spectacularly weird things that I let Nadia <laughs> post on that Facebook page. What did yeah, you post I'm today, be- Nadia? What's that? What did you post today, Nadia? Well, I was actually looking over my old Pokemon Go account, and I realized I named all my Pokemon after Tragically Hip songs, and <laughs> so I took a <laughs> screenshot of like my Growlithe named like 38 years old. And um, but I, I post whatever is like funny or or crazy or interesting. Um, sometimes I just do something as generic as like an old an old ad from like about the Turbo Graphics 16. And one I recently posted was um, yeah, it was an ad for the Turbo Graphics 16 and a CD add-on. Except they clearly did not know what to make of this add-on that was four hundred dollars. So the description was plays all CDs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's four hundred bucks. That's worth it. <sighs> So yes, we have a lot of retro stuff. Um, I posted like the recipes for a drink recently, like mm-hmm. game gaming themed drinks. Yes, yes, um, I never drank them. Uh, retro gaming magazine alerts, uh, all kinds of things. But of course, also our regular content so that you can keep up with us. But anyway, yes, follow our Twitter and our Facebook. Um, also, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot and Nadia at Nadia Oxford. And oh yeah, reader blog, tiny girl, tiny games. Next week, we'll be back and we'll be talking about Stormblood, which, uh, yeah, we have experts here talking about the Stormbloods and we'll be <laughs> able to uh, share their thoughts on that. Uh, we're going to be talking about a little game that is coming out. It's called Valkyria Revolution, mm-hmm. PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Vita. You'll be able to hear all of my thoughts on that. Believe me, I have thoughts. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, Yes. You will find out what my thoughts are. Are they good? Are they bad? I guess. Can you maintain the like? Ugh. Can you wait even a single week for more Blood God? Well, you're gonna have to because we're wrapping to. up now. And no with choice. that, Nani and myself, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time, and until then, happy adventuring. <laughs>